Welcome to the Hope Revolution messages. You'll be able to find our sermon podcast at hoperevolution.church forward slash sermon, as well as all other podcast players. We hope you enjoy this message. It's a privilege being here this morning. Expectations. A little while ago, some friends gathered. They came from various distances and they came together for a specific purpose to have some fun. And they were expecting this night, they were expecting this this event, this thing to go well. And what happened that night? They had some fun. There were new memories that were made, there were things that were, you know, happy things that were said, and everybody left the 500 card night with having their expectations met. It was a great night. Others in more recent times, perhaps this morning at six o'clock, they had an expectation of Australia marching on to, to the next round and perhaps they're, uh, no doubt, they're, well, there's always uh, four years' time. <laughs> expectations. Expectations and the events on Solomon's porch. If I could have the uh, first slide, please. Going to be coming back to this slide, but I just want to give you a picture here. Who knows the Bible? You know, you've got the temple up and down and being uh, torn apart. That picture on the left-hand side there, it's actually a model. I think currently it's in the US. It might have been in Europe, might have been in Israel, I'm not too sure. But that, you can see a person in the top right-hand corner there. Someone has actually, they took 30 years to build this, a scale model of Herod's temple, the second temple. You can see there in the middle there, there's like, say, there's the Holy of Holies. At the back, you've got Solomon's porch. If I can go to the next slide. So yeah, a little bit bigger there. And so you can see here's Solomon's porch at the back. You've got the Holy of Holies in that structure in the middle. So you've got all the different courts. I can't remember all the names. And as you can see, there's an entrance down the bottom. There's entrances on the side. Underneath that floor, that big cement floor, hard floor, there's all rooms, there's all other things which are happening underneath there. Next slide. Here's the Sanhedrin. It's there on the left-hand side. Go back to one, one, please. In the middle on the left-hand side is where the Sanhedrin is called, the Chamber of the Hewn Stone. Next slide. And this is where the high priests and the, and the Sadducees and, and everybody met, and they were there. And then final, uh, next slide. And here's just an artist's impression of Jesus on Solomon's porch preaching. You can see all the people. You can see there in the background over the wall there's, you know, houses, there's people. You can see, you know, people just sitting down listening, listening to, to Jesus doing his stuff. And next slide, please. So we'll just leave that there. Acts 5, 12 through to 42, that's what we'll be going through this morning. But the first part here is Acts 5, 12 to 16. Keep in mind this situation on the right-hand side. And many miracles and wonders were done among the people by the hands of the apostles, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. And of the rest, no one dared to join himself to them, but the people magnified them. And more believing ones were added to the Lord, multitudes both of men and women, so as to carry out the sick into the streets and place them on cots and mattresses so that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. 
And also a multitude came from the cities around Jerusalem, bringing sick ones and those being tormented by unclean spirits who were all healed. There was an expectation here. People were expecting the miraculous. There was something happening. It was like, wow. There was an electricity. It was, it was more exciting than a 500 night. There were, God's going to move here. God's going to do some miracles. God's, gonna, God's going to actually touch people's lives. There in verse 12, it says, and many miracles and wonders. Other people's Bibles might say signs and wonders. And they were witnessing, and this is important, they were witnessing the same signs and wonders with the apostles that they had witnessed several months before with Jesus. Can you imagine that? You know, oh, Jesus, you know, here they are, Jesus, doing this brand new thing, signs and wonders, right there. Jesus gets crucified, you know, raised to heaven, all that sort of stuff. A few months later, same place, same stuff happening. They were seeing signs and wonders. They were excited. They were expecting miracles. Firstly, looking at signs and wonders, they were seeing signs. The Greek word for sign is simeon. It means a symbol of a greater truth. The apostles could have been giving words of knowledge. They could have been giving words of wisdom, words of knowledge, a supernatural understanding of what has happened in a person's life. A word of wisdom is what is going to happen. Back in 2016, for me, I was in a church service and a visiting preacher, prayer line, didn't know him from a bar of soap, laid his hand on me, gave me a word of knowledge, if you will. This is what you're going through right now. <laughs> God's, God's with you. It's going to sort out. He laid out what was happening. Lo and behold, that's what was happening. God was in it. He said that uh, he would give me the strength to carry on and would not let me fail. And that's exactly what happened. See, does not God want to give us a word? Here this morning, doesn't God want to give you something, uh, a word that is specifically and timely for your situation? Isn't God interested in you? Doesn't God want to say, hey, here is the situation. I'm here to help you. God knows exactly what is happening in each of our lives. Exactly. Why don't we reach out and say, hey God, <laughs> I need a word from a situation right now. So there's words of uh, knowledge, words of wisdom. Regarding words of wisdom, you know, it's like there's foretelling what will happen. Again, back in uh, a few years earlier than that, back in January 2008, there was a preacher at a church I was at and he singled me out and he said, hey Paul. I said, uh-oh, what's going to happen here? And he said, Paul, I have an image of this old sailing ship and it's almost like it's held back and there's this rope that's holding it to, to the wharf and it's gradually being cut, gradually being severed. And once it's severed, off you go uh, and see uh, better things than you have before. And what's happened over the years since 2008? Exactly that. And as a reminder, if you were to go into my office, on the left-hand side, on the speaker, there's a Cuddy Sark ship. It's just an old-fashioned ship to remind me of what God had promised me all those years ago. So there's these signs, there's these things pointing to a, a greater truth of God. And in verse 12, it says, also wonders. 
These are these uh, physical miracles, if you will, uh, that we're familiar with. The Greek word here is teres. It means an extraordinary event causing an awakening. It's about those physical miracles that we read about and see for ourselves. <laughs> you know, I can only reference myself back in Alice Springs years and years ago. You know, the church I was at, we had these revival meetings. And what would happen is the preacher would fly into town, start preaching on the Sunday morning, Sunday night, normal church services, then for Monday night, then Tuesday night we're in church, then Wednesday night we're in church, and Thursday night. Some, some would go for two weeks. And it would build and be uh, lots of wonderful things. And one of these times, I was praying for this deaf lady. <laughs> and I was excited. I was just as flabbergasted and as like, amazed. Oh, wow, God does still do miracles <laughs> after all. And she got healed. Isn't God the same God yesterday, today, and forever? He can still heal today. Just as in signs and wonders were flowing back in Acts chapter 5, they are still flowing today. The question is, do we want to see them? Do we still have faith? Do we want to see, do we expect the miraculous? If you're perhaps having some struggles with that, expecting the miraculous... May I suggest to start how to get off of this area of struggle, if you will, using the prayer of Eximen. Prayer of Eximen helps us to focus on God and what is happening around us and within us. There's five steps for the prayer of Eximen, and the first is to become aware of God's presence. What is God? doing right now. It's to stop and become aware of his presence. And then the second is that, okay, just to review what has gone uh, on in your life that day. You know, if you're having, doing this prayer of excellence at the end of the day, review the day, or if it's part through, way through the day, what has happened in the, you know, the previous few hours. But it's to stop and to become aware of God's presence and then to review this period of time, focusing on gratitude. God, I'm thankful. You know, it might be just little things like God giving you that car park at Westfield, my favourite car park, yeah? Hey, and, and God open up the door. It might be you received a phone call about good news, or, or it might be that, uh, that it, something small, something big. But in that moment of reflection on what has happened through that day, it's like, hey, God, you got involved. Hey, I can actually see God moving in my life. And then you start to pray from that, but also in that moment, just to be aware of your emotions. Am I feeling frightened about today? Am I feeling anxious about today? Am I feeling, what am I feeling in this? Because we should rely more upon God than on our emotions to separate, our emotions, to separate ourselves from our emotions that's been happening during that period of time. And then the next, the fourth step is just then to focus on perhaps one of the things that has happened and start to pray about that. And then to look forward to 
the next period of time. Look forward to tomorrow. The prayer of excellence. Become aware of God's presence. Review the day with gratitude. Pay attention to your emotions. Choose one feature to start praying about and then looking forward to tomorrow. Because once we fully understand how God is working in our lives, we can expand it to include others. Yeah? Yes, there's a side benefit when Matt and Tanya say, hey, has anybody got a testimony we can raise for? Yes, I you know, it becomes more free-flowing. But with this prayer, we become more aware of how God is working in our lives, and then we can use that when we're telling other people. Or it gives us the confidence, hey, God has worked in my life. I'm aware of it. Just even small things. Hey, let me share to you how God does things, how God works. My view uh, is that it's almost like we're living in a time of Acts chapter 7. Yeah? Acts chapter 7, where Paul goes to Mars Hill or the Areopagus, and he says, all of these gods you've got around, let me tell you, oh, that God there that's marked the unknown God? (laughs) Yeah, let me tell you about the unknown God. So it's almost like uh, we can say, hey, about this unknown God, you know, the recent census indicates that Australia is becoming less and less of a Christian nation. So people aren't familiar with God's stuff. They're not familiar with Christianity as much as they were. And so then by being aware of how God is working in our life, we can then just say, hey, you know this unknown God thing? I can tell you about him because I've had personal experience. And to finish this part of the events on Solomon's porch, let's get a sense of the dynamism, the anticipation, the flow of the miraculous from verse 16. Verse 16 says, And also a multitude came from the cities around Jerusalem. (laughs) This wasn't some, you know, people seeing from over the top of the wall, oh, there's a crowd of people, wonder what they're talking about, let me go and have a look. No, word had spread. There was the miraculous. There were things happening there. And people came from all around. A question here. Are you expecting a miracle? Are you wanting for signs and wonders to happen as you pray for others? Second part here is the expectation of protection. Verse 17 and 18. So yet multitude came, all were healed. And 17 and 18, and rising up, the high priest and all those who were with him, which is the uh, sect of the Sadducees, were filled with anger and laid their hands on the apostles and put them in public custody. They weren't put in prison. They weren't taken for expressing some political ideology or some social worldview or some, you know, some conspiracy theory or whatever, they were simply put in prison to say, hey, I saw Jesus do something. I saw this miracle happening. Let me tell you about it. These high priests, these, all these said, no, no, we, we can't have this. And they chucked him in prison. And here they were in prison. Verse 18 says, and they laid their hands on the apostles. It just wasn't Peter in prison. It was all of the apostles All of them. All there together. And as they're there, would they, you know, they would have remembered Jesus' last words just before he 
rose to heaven. I will be with you to the end of the age. So here they are in prison, remembering these words. They're remembering Jesus' words from Luke 21, 15. I will give you words and I will give you wisdom in these situations. And they're probably thinking, they would have known Jewish history. They would have known about Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and the fiery furnace. And they would have thought, even in the midst of this, if this were to happen, we know that God protected them. Them, we, we know that God will protect us even if the worst were to happen. Or even if what happened to Samson, we know that God will protect us. We know that God will deliver us rested their hope on God's words. They knew that God was with them. And where were they? In this prison. Not some 21st century prison with clean walls and, you know, a bit of light and food probably two or three times a day and, you know, probably some time to, to watch TV. No, this prison, dank, dark, smelly. Oh, what was that that just crawled over my foot in the dark? Oh, what's that smell? <laughs> Sharing a space with perhaps undesirable elements. And look what happens in verse 19. God says, nah, <laughs> this is not happening. Verse 19, but the angel of the Lord opened the prison doors by night and brought them out. God knew where they were. Doesn't God know where you are? Doesn't God know your situation? Things might be, what, what's the phrase? Uh, cream and strawberries or, you know, land flowing with milk and honey. That might be you, but it might not be. There might, be some, there might be some pressures. There might be some dangers. There might be some things pressing in. There might be situations developing. Does God not know where you are? Doesn't he? He knows where you are. He knows what's happening. You know, it's not like God said, Oh, hang on, I've lost Peter and the apostles. Where shall I go? No, he knew where they were. And he reached down and said, No, enough of this. Get out of here. And why were they delivered? On this occasion, God delivers people for all different types of reasons and all that sort of stuff. It's almost like unique for every particular situation. But here, God had a job for them to do. He wanted them to continue with the work that he had given them to do. Verse 20 and 21, you know, Gets them out. Go stand and speak all the words of this life to the people in the temple. And hearing, they went into the temple about dawn and taught. I want you to get this picture. On the left-hand side there. On the left-hand side of the structure in the middle is where the door is for the Temple of Hewn Stones, the Sanhedrin. Right? First fact. Second fact, the width of the, the temple is about 500 metres. The depth is about 200 metres. So where did God tell the apostles to go back to? About 100 metres from the front door of the Sanhedrin. Yeah? 
So on the left-hand side there, in the middle, open up the door and you walk into where all the high priests and everything else is. Yeah? Walk out the door. So if we come this way, walk out the door. There's Solomon's porch all the way there. Yeah? What's happening over there when you walk out the front door about 100 metres away? Probably from here to the, about that soccer goal. It's the apostles teaching. And so they did. Go, the angel said, verse 20, stand and speak all the words of this life to the people in the temple. They were rescued at night. And like Sam was mentioning this morning, they had some rest. That's what God said. And then they waited until dawn to start teaching again. One thing this tells me, you can't keep good and godly men and women down. So a bit of focus there on Peter and the apostles. Let's look at the villains here of this story, the, the, uh, the high priest, all the, all the rest of them, those in power, those to be wanting to be rid of this Jesus nonsense. Verse 21, And hearing, they went into the temple about dawn and taught. But the high priest came and those with him, and they called the Sanhedrin together and all the elderhood of the sons of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought. And so in the top right-hand corner, it said, Come together, men. We're going to bring these people in. So, you know, it's not just people, it's not just people rocking up to church, yeah? Here are people of importance. They probably would have had some assistants and secretaries or whatever. That. It wouldn't have just been the three or four dozen, what, 70 people or whatever it is there. There would have been more. It's a big thing. Make way for the important people. Make way. And so it's, it's not just... Walking in the door for church, it's a big deal. Setting down, everybody's in order. Bring in the prisoners. Yeah, you sort of get the, get the image here. And they called the Sanhedrin together and all the elderhood of the sons of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought. But having come near, the officers did not find them in prison. And returning reported, saying, We indeed found the prison shut with all safety, and the keepers standing outside in the front of the doors. But having opened it, we found no one inside. <laughs> you get the picture. And when the high priest and the temple commander and the chief priests heard these things, they were bewildered. You think? Um, no one would have escaped from public custody before. What this might be, uh, verse 25, but one came reporting to them, saying, Behold, the men who you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people just behind you. Then the commander went with the officers and brought them, not with force, for they feared the people, lest they should be stoned. What can we learn here? What can we learn? There are going to be obstacles. Yeah? God had sent these people, uh, the apostles, here's the task we want you to do. Yes, for them they were put in prison, but for us, there's going to be obstacles. There's going to be trials. There's going to be blockages on the path that God has for you. Some of us, perhaps all of us, perhaps there's dreams and desires that God has put in your uh, heart. Perhaps God has spoken to you in a dream. Perhaps there is a goal. There is something that you feel that you know that you must do for God. 
Count it all joy, James 1.24 says, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. God wants us to grow. Yeah? God wants us to grow. I go to a gym. There's a sign on the gym that says, growth does not happen in comfort zones. Yeah? You've got to be out of the comfort zone to grow. There's, there's, you know, the other side of the, the testing and, and the trials, uh, if you will, is, is growth, is improvement. So let's look at this moment of testing for these apostles individually and as a group. Sometimes testing is going to be a private thing that we face. Other times it's going to, going to come through people. And one thing I know, God uses other people, whether they know it or not, to help me grow. Yeah? To be, help me to be stronger in my faith, uh, to be tested. So going on, verse 26, And the commander went with the officers and brought them not with force. Let, they feared the people, lest they be uh, stoned. And bringing them, they stood in the Sanhedrin, and the high priest asked them, saying, Did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name? And behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood on us. And Peter and the apostles answered them and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. Wherever heard that phrase before, a few verses prior. This one, Peter goes on, he says, has exalted, God has exalted to be a ruler and saviour to his right hand in order to give repentance and remission of sins to Israel. And we are his witnesses of these things. And so also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. And those hearing were cut to the heart and they took counsel to kill them. Apostles stood firm. Yeah? But I want you to get the dynamic. See the top right hand picture there? Yeah? You know, you've got all these all these men of import around. Yeah? And here's the high priest. See that darker figure in the middle? That would have been Peter and, and the apostles. And what is Peter doing? He's standing in their face. Well, it's better for us to obey God than you. Yeah? He's standing on his convictions. He's saying, the God of he's looking, he's looking in the high priest's face and he's telling him to our face, the God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you killed and hanged on a tree. Verse 33. What did they say? Here's all the all the blokes around. When Peter finished, did they go, Oh, bravo! Ten out of ten. Good speech. Did they do that? <laughs> Kill them! <laughs> Immerse yourself in actually what is happening here. Peter, this unlearned man, is in their face and saying, God is God and you might do away with us, but this isn't going to stop. Are you and I firm in our convictions? Are you and I steadfast in our faith? For these apostles stood their ground. They had witnessed the miracles of Jesus. They understood God's word in his character. Their own lives had been changed and they were not going to give up now. Moving on, here's how God brought deliverance in this moment, verse 34 to 40. 
Then there stood one up in the Sanhedrin, a Pharisee named Gamaliel. You might recognize that name from Paul. Named Gamaliel, a doctor of the law. Honored among all the people, and he commanded the apostles to be put outside a little space. And he said to the men of Israel, Take heed to yourselves what you intend to do regarding these men. For before these days, Studius rose up, boasting himself to be somebody. A number of men, about 400, joined themselves to him who was slain, and all as many as obeyed him were scattered and brought to nothing. Uh, after this one, Judas of Galilee uh, rose up in the days of the registration and drew away considerable people after him. Yet that one perished, and all as many as obeyed him were scattered. And now I say to you, withdraw from these men and let them alone. For if this counsel or this work is of men, it will come to nothing. Pardon me. But if it is of God, you cannot overthrow it, lest perhaps you be found even to fight against God. And they obeyed him, called the apostles, beating them. They commanded not, them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Gamaliel was saying, if it's not God, it'll pass. Here was this learned man. He was saying, in effect, boys, chill. Look at the bigger picture. He was referencing, he was referencing a previous experience. He said, look, Thutis and this Judas of Galilee, they were speaking mistruths. Don't get caught up in the emotion, Gamaliel was saying, because it can lead to mistakes. And as an aside, particularly in this day, for you and I, in this age of social media and of the easy spread of misinformation and disinformation, misinformation and disinformation sounds truthy. It appeals to our feelings. Misinformation is inaccurate information. Disinformation is that which seeks to deliberately mislead us. We must be careful of both misinformation and disinformation because it can lead, to, can lead us down the, the wrong paths. And this is what Gamaliel was saying. Thutis and Judas were speakers of false truths. They spread misinformation and disinformation. And look what happened to that. And Gamaliel warned in the same manner, if what the apostles are spreading is not right, it'll die out, just let it go. But he said, if it is right, you'll be fighting God. So cool down and see the bigger picture. The last two verses, the expectation, expectation of miracles, expectation of deliverance, expectation of support. Acts 5, 41, 42. Then indeed they departed from the presence of the Sanhedrin, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to be shamed for his name. And every day in the temple, from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching the gospel, Jesus Christ. From their perspective, because of what had happened, and because they had been protected and delivered, they knew in a sense that they had arrived. That because they had suffered for the sake of Jesus, they knew that beyond all shadow of a doubt, that they were worthy of being called his followers. They were a permanent part of the team, if you will. They had passed the test. And importantly, as we'll see over the, the, the coming weeks as we go through the rest of Acts, this, this situation once before laid the foundation for the succeeding generations of Christians. Like Stephen, like Paul later on in the book of Acts. 
Will you be passing the tests and the trials that come your way? There's been tests and trials which I have failed and passed. One that I remember was years ago before Salvos, I was doing some IT contracting and in between contracts, one finishing, another one potentially starting up, the recruitment agent had said, hey, I've got an opportunity for this uh, contract for you working for a tobacco company, you know, IT support for whatever tobacco company. And I felt, no, I'm, no, I'm going to stand my work ground here. <laughs> I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to be working for some sort of uh, sin-type organisation. And that was me, my beliefs, all that sort of stuff. Uh, and at the risk of no work, I said, no. <laughs> you know, here's young kids, mortgage, <laughs> all that sort of stuff. Uh, and I said, no, 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 I'm going to stand my ground. This is, I'm, this is not right. This doesn't sit right with me. And lo and behold, God came through with another contract anyway. And we moved on. So as for the apostles, they had passed this test and they then had the expectation of support. As you begin to read, what happens after this is that, yes, now they know that God is with them all the time. And then they had the expectation of being supported. They had the expectation of being supported in terms of living and living expenses, in protection, expectation that God was going to come through in miracles and in their teaching, that God would continue to be with them. As we as a church move into 2023, have we learned some of the lessons of the past few years? Are we ready for the next chapter, if you will? As the apostles were, are we ready for the next chapter or are we perhaps destined just to repeat the same cycle again and again? Do we have a, a mindset of, hey, let's improve and go forward and move into, into new, of God doing new things, of bringing new people in, of rising to the next set of challenges ahead? Are we expecting miracles? Are we expecting delivery? Are we expecting support? From this passage, we've learned three things. That by starting with what God is doing in your life, you can have confidence in sharing what God is doing with others. The other thing, we've, we've learned that God knows where you are and that he can deliver you. He can protect you. And finally, that God wants you to build on what you have gone through for a better tomorrow. God just doesn't leave you. God is there with you all through this. As far as our church is concerned, I believe God is looking forward to good things in 2023. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're thankful of all that you've done in us and, and, and for us. Lord, as we look, to, look forward to the new year, Lord, we're just so thankful on this Thanksgiving Sunday. We're thankful of what you have been doing in us individually and collectively. And when we're launching into this new year, expecting miracles, expecting protection and delivery, and expecting support and new things and better things. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. 
If you have any questions or feedback, please email us at hello at hoperevolution.church.